Welcome to the Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. For more information on how CertainPath can put your contracting company on a certain path to success, visit our website, www.mycertainpath.com. I hope you enjoyed today's show and take away a nugget or two. Mr. Gus, thank you so much for taking time with us uh, today. I appreciate it because I know it's a it's a it's a resource that a lot of people pull at, so it, it's deeply appreciated. Uh, I want to just talk about some different topics in the contracting industry. Um, just in talking with a lot of our members, there's a lot of headwinds, whether it's call count or just whatever. There's just it's it's difficult now where it wasn't really the last two or three years. Uh, what's been going on in Milestone? What are maybe some of the challenges you've been facing, and how have you been uh, addressing those? Yeah, I mean, uh, just like anything, um, good times, bad times. Uh, you know, the past two, three years, between COVID and just probably PPP money, money in the economy, uh, people were spending money. I just think that it, you know, they definitely pulled some demand forward. Yeah. And so I, kind of everything that we're seeing, that we're looking at, kind of feels like, the rest of 23 and 24 may be like this and probably life as usual or back to what we knew it uh, after that. So, uh, I mean, that's just same thing we're facing at Milestone. You know, the the electrical and plumbing business is definitely uh, more steady. Mm. And uh, while it's not as easy as it once was, yeah. we still are operating those in a way that's pretty comfortable yeah. and seeing good growth, high double digits, 20, 25% even. And so that's, that's going good. Uh, HVAC, you know, I think it's the lower demand per, plus the uncertainty and the price sensitivity. Sure. And so that, that's the hard one. That one's, we're up, but man, it's currently maybe 5% year to date. Are your, are your salespeople just not closing as well? Is that it? No, we're just not getting the calls. Just not getting. Our closing rate and average ticket is, is pretty pretty uh similar to what it has been it's the amount uh, the, the strange thing is the amount of demand calls that we didn't get interesting yeah okay so what are you guys doing about i mean we're still doing what we do which are we we're fortunate that and i would tell anyone watching this you know build a business that is as least dependent on the economy and the weather as possible sure so tune-ups have always, you know, we have a lot of technicians and tune-ups has always been something that we do. Yeah. So we're just running our tune-ups and becoming better at finding uh, the things inside the home. Yeah. Whether it's small repairs, indoor air quality, uh, and different stuff like that to 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 make the business go. Yeah. So, so it's more important forever for, I mean, you guys have training down. You've been doing so well for so long, but people watching or listening that, Maybe if not, it's time to really ramp up that training, doing it more often, you know, making sure to hit every step there is in the call. Yeah, and we've done it forever, and we're doing it all again right now. Yeah. I mean, you just have got to work. You've got to work harder than you did this time last year or the year before to kind of achieve the same thing inside of the home. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, we're humping it. We're, we're redoing our training programs. We're bringing the guys in more often. We're talking about stuff, you know, and so... Um, but that's kind of how we're addressing it is just 
you know, the other HVAC specifically is it's it's so important to have the club memberships, mm -hmm. advantage, whatever that is for people. But that kind of helps level out the dips in the shoulders. Yeah. So is there anything, I mean, you said you're struggling for calls on the HVAC side. And have you tried anything different that you're just like, oh, that works a little bit here or there? Or is it, it's just, there's, there is what there is and uh, you're just not getting the same bounce from it. I mean, we're definitely trying a bunch of different stuff. We're just not getting the same bounce yeah. from it. I mean, and it's just tighter. Just talking to, you know, other people that are in my same market. Yeah. We're all kind of saying the same thing. And what I, sometimes what I tell people is, uh, uh, the only thing that makes a bad revenue month worse is spending a ton of marketing right. while also having that. No, that's good. Yeah. And so, um, you know, like I said, is we're up year to date. We've probably, uh, we've been more early on. We were trying to out market the problem and that just wasn't working for us. And so we just kept doing what we're doing, getting good, uh, you know, enough demand calls growing a little bit. And just really focusing on our customer base and tune-ups. That's just yeah. what we do. Yeah. So. Any other, like, you, you know, we talk about training. Any uh, operational things you guys have fine-tuned? I mean, you know, you talked about a little bit here and there. Um, I think it, operationally just doing all the stuff that we're supposed to be doing, that certain path or, you know, all of our training programs, it's just critical the guys do it all. Yeah. There's really no new information. There is no, that we found, there is no little silver bullet. Um you know, the uh, identifying that the consumer's number one concern is probably fear of the unknown and certainty in the economy. So you kind of have to, if they're, you kind of have to help them understand why doing it today is still a good decision. Right. Because you're not going to eliminate that feeling. Sure. So, um, but now I don't think that we've done a, you know, uh, I, I guess the one thing that we've done that's been good is we call them coaches. Mm -hmm. Our coaches are much more involved in every single call. Oh, okay. And so if I'm a coach and I have 10 technicians, 12 technicians, eight, whatever the number is, we're asking them, we're putting systems and processes to be more intimately involved with each call that their technicians or, or salespeople are on. Yeah. To make sure that we're coaching them through that the same way that a, a head a coach would also be, uh, say he's working with a quarterback, while the play is even happening, they're going back and forth and talking about audibles before we snap the ball. And that's kind of what, something that we're doing is uh, asking our coaches to be way more involved with the call yeah. instead of reactionary. You know, it would be like in the NFL if – what we do at home services often is we train in the morning, we train, we do different stuff, and then they go play the game. They run the calls. Sure. And then we look at some data of some sort, and then we get back together and talk about what happened. Yeah. That would be like an NFL team practicing on, you know, Thursday or Friday, and then the coach going, okay, I'll see you Monday. Let me know what happened. Yeah. Well, that just doesn't make any sense. Sure. And that's kind of what we do in home services, or at least what we had been doing. Yeah. And so now we're just becoming a lot more involved during the call. What is there like a, some some kind of tool you're using, or is it just verbal cell phones going back and forth? Okay. Yeah, it's a lot more pictures, a lot more, a lot more pictures, a lot more video, a lot more text messages, uh, 
And that's as a result of if there's less demand, we have to do a better job of capturing what's there. Right. And so our coaches are generally some of our more talented or seasoned people. Yeah. So let's get them involved with as many calls as possible. Support for this podcast comes from Yellowstone Local. Are you a home service company struggling to find experienced employees to hire? Then you need to schedule a meeting with Yellowstone Local, the undisputed leader in helping home service companies build high-performing teams. Yellowstone Local doesn't just fill open positions, they shift your entire recruiting paradigm, changing your brand into a magnet for amazing people and helping you hire people that embody your vision, your drive, and your commitment to excellence. With an intentionally extensive approach, you'll have a partner that builds and executes the entire process for you, saving you time and money while getting the best results. So in an industry where your product is your people, don't settle for less where it matters most, Visit YellowstoneLocal.com today and experience a different way to hire. For more information, contact Warren Lentz at 512-962-2638 or email Warren at YellowstoneLocal.com. Have you heard? Goodman has turned HVAC on its side. At first glance, the new Goodman SD Inverter Heating and Cooling System for ducted homes looks very different than your traditional system. But at 53% lighter and 40% smaller than a traditional cube-style unit, it's easy to transport and is designed to optimize space, comfort, and performance. The Goodman GT SD Connected Thermostat provides the ultimate inverter experience when installed as part of a Goodman SD Inverter System. The Goodman GTSD thermostat has a compact, non-intrusive design featuring voice control through Amazon Alexa and Google Home. Goodman remains focused on providing high-quality products at an affordable price. It's no wonder homeowners and local contractors say, thank goodness for Goodman. Be sure to visit GoodmanMFG.com or follow Goodman Air Conditioning and Heating on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube to see more on the new Goodman SD. I was reading, I'm on all the, I'm sure you are too, on the Facebook groups on our industry. And I was reading one of the big players say, there's, it's not looking good for 2024. Some of the big PE, the numbers aren't looking great. You know, maybe this is the beginning of a, a small recession, but it just kind of reminded me of, you know, you and, and Jimmy grew through yep. the last recession. Incredibly, actually, uh, you guys, started taking over the market. Yeah. You, you invested in, in advertising and branding. Um, maybe talk about, you know, that that's still possible. You, and you're growing now. It maybe not as much as you want to. Yeah. But it's still the opportunity exists. It's not I mean, it doesn't mean like we gotta put our head in the sand. Yeah. I mean the the we don't know. Yeah. We don't know what tomorrow has, what next month, what next year has. And so, I mean, I do think that there's information available that we can see that I would generally agree with. It's pointing towards it's not going to be as easy as it was. Uh, You know, there's businesses are in different places and different sizes. What Jimmy and I uh, did in 2008, 2009, I don't know that either one of us would, would take that same approach with our company the size it is right now. Sure. But back then, you're more nimble. You can take advantage of things. You can do different stuff. I think the overarching message is, if I was talking to anyone who's concerned about the economy, is every second that you spend worrying about something that you don't know about, is you're taking that same thought. 
you're taking that same exact time and you're not investing it into something you can control, which is how are our people trained? How can we get uh, calls on the schedule from maybe our current customer base or something like that? And and if you do that, it's going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, and so uh, unfortunately, tough times in the economy end up affecting the worst operators. Yeah. And so. Well, I was going to say, you, you know, I, talking to Jimmy, I mean, marketing wise, you guys are gobbling up a lot of the PPC market, right? You're making it a lot harder for smaller operators yep. to do, which makes sense. I yep. mean, it's, that's what you need to do. Yep. Uh, something you said uh, yesterday, and it it makes sense, and, and we've seen it now that things are tightening a little bit, more talented people are getting, yep. being available. Maybe talk about how, is it, so you're, you're finding that more people are applying? Yeah, I think it's a, you know, from a strategic standpoint, it's a two-way uh, street is uh, the team members have had the benefit of kind of getting some advantages in the marketplace as far as pay plans and different stuff like that. And that's okay. Sure. I mean, no, I don't think anyone's trying to squeeze all their team members. I sure hope not. Yeah. And that's okay. They they had a, you know, a good run of getting some benefits and stuff like that. And, and companies could do it. Yeah. I think right now companies need to be thinking about, okay, well, if that's not going to be happening, we can't keep those say pay plans in place. And I think right now is a good opportunity for companies to adjust some of the compensation plans that have been out there that were fine when it's, you know, feast, but maybe not when it's famine. Right. And you can change those because the team members are less likely to react emotionally and leave. Yeah. Um, there's also good talent out there. Um, you know, we, the, the biggest mistake that eight, probably any business in our industry or however you want to do it is not reacting quick enough to when things change. Yeah. Man, we used to have a recruiting department and I had four or five, six people in there just calling all day long, making offers. I think we have two people now. Right, right. Because they're calling us. Yeah. So what's happening is as things change, you got to change it with them or else your margins are going to get totally screwed up. Right. So. Yeah. And actually that brings about a good point you brought up yesterday. You're kind of thinking a quarter at a time. Yeah. But don't get hung up on some initiative you, you, you know, said we're going to do this in January. Yep. Just to do it. Right. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I mean. And so if you're trying to grow 20%, probably pretty achievable for a lot of people in this, uh, maybe that are watching this or in this industry, you know, and that's going to come out to, to roughly five, five percent a quarter. And if you compound it, it's actually less than that. Um, call it 4%. I mean, I'm just looking at next January through March. Yeah. I want to grow 4%. Do I have the resources and the assets that we need and the strategic plan? And what possibly would stay, what, that's how, how we do it. Everyone does it different. We say we want to say that's the number that we want to hit. We instantly go to, let's start writing down anything that would stop us yeah. from achieving that. And then we just try to problem solve around that. Do you guys get together weekly to, to, to brainstorm? Uh, quarterly. Quarterly. Yeah. Okay. So about six weeks out from the start of the next quarter is our rhythm. Okay. And it's. Here's where we're at. We have enough data from the current quarter to kind of feel like what's going and then kind of project into the next quarter, see where we want to be, and then talk about what is it that we need to start. And a lot of it's carryover conversations. Yeah. I mean, but uh, some of it's not. You know, one quarter, 
I mean, it was uh, Q4 last year. We're talking about recruiting. Right. 90 days later when we're sitting in that meeting, we're not talking about that at all. Right, right. So that's that's how quick that can change. Sure. Uh, so it, it, that's a good follow-up. It, it'd be recruiting. How about retention? That was such a big thing we talked about last year. Yep. Is retention, I mean, obviously you worry about your people, but is it not as strong of a, a focus now because people aren't leaving as much? We don't have to put as much effort into it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously nobody wants their people to leave. Yeah, um, 100%. But... Uh, uh, now looking at that, we're not having to do near as much as we used to. Right. People aren't coming after our people like they were. And um, I said, it goes back now in order to stay healthy, you may have to adjust some of those things that you were doing during that one period. Right. And now it's not the same, but let's keep everybody employed. Great place to work. Um, but we may have to adjust some things. Sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what your thoughts are on this. I know, in our in our business, about I don't know, five six months ago, it felt like AI just exploded. Yep, and we were like, let's figure out how we can try to use this. Yep, and how is it? Have you implemented anything with AI? Have you tested anything? I know this is a uh, loaded question. Yeah, I hope that new business AI business opens. I think every day. Yeah, I hope that everybody um, that's in my market that we compete with focuses on on AI. <laughs> I'm just I'm just, I'm just joking. Uh, you know. We've always been a uh, uh, late adapter, mm -hmm. and what that means is I just continue to think that the home service industry, it, we're not curing cancer. We're not saving babies. Um, it's a relatively simple industry, yeah. and when I see people that try to overcomplicate it is when I see the. So we've always been a late adapter, meaning, man, if there's something that AI is going to do, I, I, I don't specific. I heard it's call centers or this or that. I don't know. What I know is that it's very unlikely that it would be proprietary. Yeah. And that's what companies need to think about is, oh, if I'm not on the cutting edge of this, am I going to be left outside that someone's going to develop something? And then I, well, that's not how our industry works. Right. Our industry works as service titan, success where certain path, someone's going to develop something. Yeah. And then they're going to say it's available for kind of whoever wants it. So I'm just kind of like, great, y'all spend all your, if there's contractors that are really thinking about that, spend all your time thinking about that. We'll spend our time making sure that we get phone calls and that we have technicians that go out and take care of customers. Yep. And then after you guys work all the kinks out of it, then we'll take it and implement it in our business. Okay. That's just my philosophy. Sure. Doesn't mean it's right. I may be sitting here a year from now being like, man, you have a robot. We should have had, we should have been investing in robots to- <laughs> To change water heaters, I don't know. No, that's fair. Uh, I'm always surprised. I talked to a number of members this this week already that are thinking about getting into new service divisions, new you know verticals. Any thoughts or advice you would give to them, especially given how the market is? I mean, maybe there's opportunity, right? Maybe yeah. some mom and pops are going to go up, and you can buy buy them up. What 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 would you think about that? Uh, it's so situational. The no, if somebody asked me that. Um, whether it's a new department, a new company, the first thing I'd ask is, is it's the first who, then what? Who's going to, to run that or lead it? And what do we know about that person or what leads us to believe that they're going to be able to do that? Because yeah. it, it's an opportunity cost. And that's where, you know, we've certainly got it wrong in the past in some, some capacities, which is um, not having the, the, the people to help implement it. Yeah. 
and you don't really think it's going to be a big deal, but it's always a big deal. Yeah. It takes your best people implementing it. And the second that they spend that time on that new thing, they're not doing what they were previously doing. And it ends up being a problem outside of that. I mean, I think it's, it's as good a time as any, I, that doesn't, uh, personally, it maybe should, that doesn't scare me that it, it may be harder than it used to in the past. Yep. It, I mean, it's, there's always going to be easy seasons and hard seasons. Right. Like if that's just it. Sure. Um, it just kind of made me think now, I mean, in your position, if it's getting harder to get customers, are you thinking about acquiring smaller companies? A guy's looking to retire. He's like, uh, you know, they just don't know what they're doing. You got yeah. those customers. I mean, I know you saturated the market. But. Yeah. You know, home services is interesting. Uh, uh, and there's probably people with a lot more information on this. Gathering up customers through acquisition, especially through smaller companies, it, I just don't see that that's been super successful frequently. I'm not going to say it doesn't ever work. Yeah. But when you're buying a smaller contractor, they have a group of customers that may use them every, I mean, so take Milestone. If we're in four to 500 homes a day, for me to to get more customers, it's a big, like we need 40 or 50 more customers a day. Well, that's not necessarily a small company. Sure. And then what I, you know, what you also find is those small companies and those customers are way, they knew the owner of that small, they don't like Milestone. <laughs> that's it. They don't like the bigger company. Yeah. They were using that really small company because they could call that owner while he's, you know, on New Year's Eve and tell him what's happening. Yeah. And that's just not us. Yeah. And so the acquisitions that I see that are generally successful is to get you into a, a new uh, uh, area of business mm -hmm. uh, because of the licensing and the, and the knowledge that comes with that. Or the acquisitions are good because you get a, a footprint, like a, a, a physical location that maybe you want for some reason. And then the third one is always the acquisitions that I've been see successful are the talent. Hey, we're going to get this group of people and we really want them. Right. Outside of that, man, pushing two companies, I've done it. Pushing two companies together, whatever you spend on marketing, uh, uh, on acquiring it, I would be tempted to say, just spend that same amount on, mar on marketing. And it's way easier just to hire someone, train them to serve the new customer. Yeah. So it doesn't mean any of that's right. Just my opinion at this time. Um, you, you, just something you said, it kind of made me think I, I there's a couple of, of, of companies that I'm, I've talked to this week that they, they're starting to expand service hours more, you know, they're doing more on-call stuff, stuff that we talked about 15, 20 years ago. Right. And then we got away from it because there was this, this difficulty to find people. Do you see that something you guys might look into? And 100%. Okay. I mean, uh, talked about it yesterday. It's, it's not complicated. Right. We got two things that generally in the home service industry that we're, that we're contending for customers or, te or, or team members. Yeah. And we're always doing both, but when one of those starts to go up, the other one generally starts to go down. Yeah. Right. So if I'm really trying to get new customers, like the last five years, I spent as little time thinking about our marketing as I ever have in the company. Sure. But I spent the most amount of time thinking about how do we get and keep team members? Sure. 
Well, now that's kind of shifting back where I'm not having to spend very much time thinking about creative offers or, or, you know, to the point four years ago, we implemented, we're not working Saturdays and we're not doing on calls Yeah, because that was the easiest way for, that was my marketing message for technicians was come over here. We don't make you do that. Right. And it worked well for us. Yeah. Well, that was because we had all the customers we wanted. Well, now that that's kind of going down, we'll probably go back to, uh, working later hours and working on Saturdays and, and doing what we can. So, I mean, I think it's a great question. That's, that's what I would just continue to tell people. I mean, the way that we've done it in the past made sense in the past. It doesn't make sense, does not mean it'll be the best way for the future. Support for this podcast comes from Professional Plumbing Group. How many hours in a day do your plumbers waste because you don't have the right part for the job? This problem leads to additional issues and reduced productivity, poor customer satisfaction, and increases your cost per job. Professional Plumbing Group, or PPG, can help you solve all those issues and more. We have everything you need to help your business grow and become more profitable while allowing you to focus on plumbing, not inventory management. Go to AuthorizedPlumberProgram.com for more information. Support for this podcast comes from Synchrony. Ever wonder how to calculate your true cost of financing and how to fit the price of financing into your business and pricing for products and services? In Synchrony's new and improved toolbox website, you can easily calculate your cost of credit, view educational videos, and learn more about Synchrony's digital tools. Simply go to toolbox.syf.com to explore and learn more. Just thinking of the audience, the people I've talked to, we've got some really strong companies, $20, 30000000 million that are looking to double. You know, they really want to double maybe five, ten years. Put yourself back in, in, in those shoes. What are two or three things you would recommend a company of that size to, to, to achieve that goal? What, what, what should they do? First thing would be is just get better hobbies. Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, uh, uh. If I if we were at twenty or thirty million, the things that come if I could redo it, yeah, is uh, you know, if you grow by fifteen fifteen uh, percent annually, you roughly double the company every five years because mm-hmm. that's compounded. Um, I would have uh, been, I would have taken quicker action on getting the right people yeah because if you think about if we're at 40 million that means everything's going to mostly double yeah and so the people that help get me to this place are they going to be the same people that help me get me there and if there's any if there's anything going on right now where you're leaning into them being like helping them operationally or anything like that then you can only imagine if everything doubled. And the problem is when everything doubles, your uh, ability as a leader to lean into areas just gets tighter and tighter and tighter. And people start running uh, uh, businesses inside your business. Right. And so the number one thing is I would uh, be world-class at assessing the talent that we have. Yeah. And, and, and seeing if those are going to be the right people. And, we think that that's really bad and it's really not because making that adjustment right now is better for everybody. Yes. And so uh, I would tell people that, um, I would also, uh, if I was going to go from 20 to 40 million, 
I uh, would be thinking about, you know, what my marketing message is. Yeah. Because a lot of the time you can get to 20 to 30 million with a uh, a weaker mar- marketing message. Yeah. Because it just works. I would double down on what does my brand look like? What is my USP? Who are we trying to target? Who are we not trying to target? And kind of what that looks like. And then, um, you know, the main thing I would do is I would just go around to the other companies that have done it and just ask them. Right. And I just, there's just so much value in that. And so I know none of those are like groundbreaking, yeah. but it's all, you know, 20, 30 million and doubling. It's also situational. Yeah. Like there's companies I've met that have gone from 20 to a hundred million in like such a short time. And they, but they had all these little building blocks yeah. that made sense. And my advice to them would be totally different than somebody else that that's going to, you know, doesn't have all those things in place. And so, and it's, it's a, uh, you know, all of this is just theory. Sure. And a philosophy. None of us have all the answers. Sure. Yeah. We've done most people, as you know, their opinions are based on their experiences. Yeah. And so uh, you have to be really careful because we all don't have the same experiences. Yes. Uh, we interviewed Adam Bellingford, I guess it was yesterday or two days ago, and, you know, he's grown quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, he's in the 20s now. And it was interesting. We were, I was having him walk me through his senior leadership team, and a lot of them were from outside. Yeah. Right? They knew nothing about roofing, but they knew people. Yeah. Good leaders. Yep. I think that's, I feel like that's a struggle for a lot of us in the industry. They're like, I really want to promote Joe. Joe's yep. been with me for 15 years. Maybe Joe's not, doesn't have the capability yep. to lead people. Maybe, yep. And I'm sure that's happened with you. You've learned the hard way, right? Yep. Maybe you could speak to that. Yeah. Some words of wisdom to people. So one thing that we've learned to do um, by position is what are, is I literally write down, what are we asking this person to be world-class at? Mm. And I write those down. And sometimes if it's like our quality control manager, I'm asking him to be world-class at the understanding the technical parts of our business. Yeah. But maybe someone else in a different leadership role, you know, your top five things that I'm asking you to be world-class at aren't it. And, and so what's helped us, because when bringing in someone from the outside, it's hard. Current team doesn't like it. Right. One thing that we've, we've tried to communicate with is, here is what this position is, and here's what we're asking someone to be world-class at. We found somebody that was building all those same skills and and has become, from what we can tell, really good at those, yeah. they just weren't doing it here. Right. And and I think we struggle with that and our team members struggle with, just because somebody hasn't been doing it here doesn't mean they haven't been doing it at all. Sure. And so then we bring them over and then we say, you know, we're gonna have to teach them the other parts of this. And you see it all the time in the, the big business. Yeah. The CEO of UPS turns out to be the CEO of Terminex or American Airlines, you know, switches over to Ford. Well, those have nothing to do with each other, but it's really what they were asking that person to be great at. They were, they were great at in their current role. Then they just have to learn these other parts. And we've done the same thing. Some of our best hires just came out of the industry and that's hard in the trades business because it's just, you know. It's just different than, but I think that's changing. Mm-hmm. You know, this, the trades are getting more sophisticated. You see all the PE groups in it. So I think that's becoming less of a thing, but it's, it's certainly still a thing. 
Is there, uh, just one more follow-up on that. Is there something you can do or you, you've, is there a, I don't know, formula when you bring a, a new leader in at a high level to, to kind of integrate him well so he or she is, you know, it's not as much of this, yeah. who's that guy, creates division, maybe yeah. lose senior people that you really don't want to lose. Yeah. So is there, you know. the What I've come to believe is that, um, first of all, you have to get the right person. Yep. And the right person for our organization, and every organization has a different culture, is servant leadership. So if I have the right person, I've found it that when you bring someone in from the outside, everyone wants to find something wrong with them. They want they want it to not work, unfortunately. When it comes to servant leadership, well, servant leadership is getting there and day one going, hey, can I just go on a ride along with you? Yeah. Hey, can I sit with you? Hey, uh, you know, they brought me in here and I want to do a good job. I recognize that you feel like you may have wanted this job that I have. And my goal is whatever they saw in me, yeah. I want to help give that to you yeah. so that whether it's here or at another place, you have that. Um, and it's one of the things we ask someone to do when we bring them in from the outside a leadership role is don't give any opinions, any instructions, uh, any, anything for at least 90 days as your job to come in here is to win them over by the way that, that you serve them. Right. And so, um, that's one of, uh, is it a formula? I don't know, but that's all dependent on the person. Sure. And so, uh, and I've seen it work, you know, uh, uh, really well, which is just, I mean, this is not like a new principle for <laughs> out for a couple thousand years. There's a whole book about it. Um, but, uh, uh, that used, that has worked for us. That's good. And, uh, people it's whenever you just sit down with someone and say, well, how can I help? What's like, what's wrong today? Well, let me grab that. Da, da, da. They have a hard time not liking that person for an extended amount of time. So everybody has the bad connotations of the person that shows up, doesn't know anything about the business and then starts barking orders, forming opinions, rearranging stuff. And people are like, oh gosh, here we go. Yeah. So. All right, so on the one hand, we've got the, I've talked to a lot of bigger guys that are looking to do really, and I've also interviewed a handful that are two, three million dollars, they're doing 15%, they're super eager, but do that. But their hands are in everything, right? And they're just crazy. So if you put your, I know this is this is not the most appetizing thing to think about, put yourself back in those shoes when, when you were just in everything, what would you have done differently? What would you tell them to do to kind of, accelerate growth to kind of normalize life again, right? Not to be in the thick of it constantly. Man, that two to three billion range is hard. Yeah. And uh, that's the first thing I would tell them is you're not crazy for feeling the way that you feel. You are doing everything. Yeah. You are. You're figuring out how Google works. You're figuring out what parts you need. You're negotiating with the vendor. You're trying to buy a truck. You're you're hiring. You're firing. You're you're negotiating a landlord deal. You're figuring out how your accounting system, you're doing everything. And so that is the hardest part. Yeah. And I think the number one thing I would tell them is it's hard. Yeah. Like you're not doing anything wrong. This wasn't easy for anybody. And if it was, then everyone would just be 10, $20 million companies. I believe it's actually easier to run a 10 or $20 million company than the two to three, unless you're just, uh, so well capitalized, you can bring in all these great people right off. Right. Uh, so what I would tell them, the the two to three million is it's so dependent on uh, your your key players. Yeah. 
And so I would hire what I would have done differently. I would have hired a incredible executive. We call him executive partner, ex, executive assistant, whatever you administrator. I would have hired that person day one mm. that, and what, what, what you're wanting with that part. Cause when we are two or 3 million, we really have the people that we have, we feel like are in positions that add to productivity of the company, which is a call center, a technician, maybe a parts, you know, something like that. But we don't have anybody that their entire day is just executing because that's at two to 3 million, you can get to 5 million. You just have to do the things that we all know to do. So having that executive assistant or partner, which is going to cost some money, but it's so worth it. it you'll, you'll get there faster. Um, is outlining the strategy for them, yeah, which is, hey, I just need this done, and then letting them do it so you can move. And it, the way I envision it is that person at the end of the day should be able to do almost every single thing that you do except the things that you are exceptionally gifted at. Yeah, That may be a part, that may be like you're the master plumber and that person doesn't know that part. You may be the best trainer, so they're not going to do the training, but they can do almost everything else. That I've given that advice to so many people. The people that have, most people that have done it have come back and said that was an absolute game changer. Because what you're doing at two to three million, what you actually are fighting against is you don't have time, and you are multiplying. I I, I think it's like a, it's like a one point eight multiplier. Yeah, you're getting someone just like yourself, but you're getting it for a much smaller price that almost doubles your productivity. Yeah. So what kind of person is that what kind of person are you looking for to fill that role? It's just, it's a special person. It's a, you know, it's usually, <laughs> it's a lot of the times it's someone that, you know, yeah, uh, that you just see the way that they are when you're around them. They're a doer. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, I mean, you know, it's funny. Maybe your kid plays on a soccer team and it's the, the person soccer mom that always, I got the candy. I arranged the game. I called the other coach. I rescheduled this. I did this. I did this. Like you just see it happening, and you're like, "That's the type of person that I need on my team." There, and there is no like exact science. We have three to four, maybe across all of our our organization and companies, five or six of these people. They've all come from vastly different backgrounds, yeah. But they all operate the exact same way, yeah. Which is. They get a lot of satisfaction out of helping you win. They're not the front runner. They don't want the attention, um, but they're great at just getting stuff done. Very so, cool. all right, last question. Yeah. Um, what this maybe speaks to the value of being in a group like this to be yeah. able to hear people like you talk for contractors. Now they're going, man, I don't have leads. I'm running like my hair's on fire. You know, I don't have anyone to talk to. Yeah. Right. I mean, maybe speak to what the, you know, being in the organization in your early days and, even now, how that's beneficial. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, like jail is like one of the worst places you can go, right? Sure. What's the worst thing that they do to you in jail? You're already there. It's awful. Yeah. What's the worst thing that they do? They put you in isolation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? The only thing worse than being on a stranded island where you're like dying would be to do it by yourself. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so right off the bat, the only thing in my mind worse than it's gonna it may be a hard economy. It may you may have struggles, you may have higher you know, hard time hiring or, or that stuff. The only thing worse than that 
is either either a not knowing it's happening yeah which that's what's happened when you're on an island or you're isolated you just don't know it's happening the second thing would be trying to solve the problem by yourself yeah. like this your particular question is a great question it's also the most fundamentally easy question right it's as human beings everything is generally harder by yourself yeah i mean um you know the bible says uh uh like that the, the they always use during marriages two cords that are wove together you know not easily broken and so i think that uh the importance of groups the importance of peer groups the importance of certain path the importance of friends i mean there's so i it would be impossible for me to spider web where our company is if i spider web back to the people yeah and the conversations from being in an expo from a from meeting someone at a peer group and from an idea like it would but almost none of it would lead back to the the bubble that's called gus right it all lead the only thing that gus has done was the willingness to be a constant learner by talking to other people. So many of the spider webs came back to other people like, Hey, this is what we're doing. Maybe, maybe you should try this or maybe you're just getting in a room together. For years, I got uh, into a room with Brad Huff uh, from Indianapolis and we did our budgets and our planning together because we both owned the companies, but doing it together gave us a lot of uh, insight. So, yeah, I mean, I would tell anybody, I mean, if you are not connected, if you're not in certain path, if you're not in groups, if you're, you're making it so much more difficult. Right. Um, and this is, it, it is, it's a, it's a, I said this yesterday, it's an extremely complicated industry. Yeah. And the reason that we know that is because there's almost no publicly traded companies that do what we do. Right. And to be public or trader, you have to be able to scale. And to be able to scale, something needs to be simple. We are in an industry that's incredibly difficult. At any given time, we're dealing with a laborer, with a homeowner, with a, uh, a supply chain issue, with a, 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 a liability from a driving. You know, our finance company isn't. There's so many things, that variables that we deal with. You cannot do it alone. Yeah. Can't. And I maybe speak to this because there's all again I, I referenced them earlier there's all these facebook groups out and, and there's good information yes some there's not so much good. yeah but there's still value in in sitting with someone face to face right it's like i i mean hey i've worked virtually for a long time but i am always re-energized when i get together with people i work with when i come to expo the facebook groups is not the same thing as this i and the, uh that would be like saying you and your wife are happily married, but you only ever talk on FaceTime. <laughs> I mean, or right? Yeah, yeah. That would just be like, we don't need to live together. We can just, we can just, no, there's a reason you want to go out on a date and see each other in person and, and you live together in those those different aspects. Um, the, the, the digital groups are great. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I can tell you if anyone watches this, my profile, my Facebook profile got like hacked oh. a year ago. Oh, don't even have it. Some person in Vietnam has it and they're <laughs> like tried to ransom. I was like, you can just keep the thing, man. So I'm not even on any groups okay? because I just stay connected to people. I stay connected to human beings yeah. and I, I come to stuff like this, go to do shop visits. I mean, if the average person, I am totally against all social media. I just think it's one of the most destructive giant waste of times possible. Yeah. 
I have two little boys. I tell them the second you move out, you can get it, but dad doesn't have it or use it. So you probably don't need it either at this point. Yeah. I think it's destructive in the business. I think people say stuff. I think that there's so much of half informations, yeah. pieces like that, yeah. that, that are destructive when people hear it. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of it, but it doesn't mean there's not good information on there. Sure. I know that there's a whole different generation that loves it and I see them doing well with this. I'm not saying anyone should stop it, but yeah, the face to face, the picking up the phone, the seeing somebody, the visiting, the coming to a group, you just never know when you're going to sit down next to somebody. Right. Have I told everybody the stories of just riding in an elevator and says, Hey, where someone says, I'm not the most talking, I'm not the most uh, outgoing. So someone would say, Hey, where are you from? We start talking. And a long story short, uh, at, you bring up Adam Delancourt. Yeah. That exact thing happened. Sat next to him, this, that, and the other. He ends up recommending this one particular person uh, that's a uh, kind of a consultant, end up hiring them, and completely changed our business. Yeah. All because I went to something and I sat next to somebody. Yeah. And I have literally hours of stories like that. And I think anyone who comes anything, I'm not special. <laughs> they have them too. So... Good nugget. Yep. Gus, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. If so, please like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're on your favorite podcast player, please leave us a five-star review. The two seconds you take to leave a review will help other success-minded contractors like you find us and hopefully get a little bit better, which elevates our entire industry. And please join me for future episodes. This has been The Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath. Support for this podcast comes from CleanFX. CleanFX is Train's premier solution to deliver cleaner air to the entire house by removing up to 99.98% of airborne particles that pass through the reusable filter, encoding 99.9% of the influenza A H1N1 virus. Restricted airflow through a clogged filter forces your system to work harder, reducing its lifespan. Train CleanFX uses a powerful patented IFD Corona field to charge incoming air, causing particles to adhere to the clean effects collection cells as air passes through. Since your furnace or air handler isn't struggling to work against a clogged filter, clean air flows freely. The train clean effects collection element is groundbreaking. Each layer is only 0.08 inches apart with alternating charges, which makes for a stronger, more effective collection field. What's more, the Train Clean Effects element has eight times the collection surface, over 50 square feet of a standard electronic air cleaner, so it is vastly more efficient at providing clean air throughout your home. For more information, visit the Certain Path member hub or contact Train's DeVoe Ward at strategic accounts at traintechnologies.com or 469-346-1776. And for more information on Train, visit train.com. The Successful Contractor Podcast is part of the Certain Path family. Certain Path builds successful home service businesses and has for 23 years. We do it by providing contractors with a proven path to success, professional coaching, software solutions, and a member community of over 1,000 contractors just like you. Doubling your sales with a 20% net profit and an inspiring company culture is all possible. Let us show you the way. With Certain Path, success is made certain. Visit www.mycertainpath.com for more information.